uh, let's start off like um, uh, we always do lately with uh, the week ahead. So I will share for those of you who are on Zoom or later on might find me on Zoom uh, what the chart is for the next few days. We're starting today, November 6, 2022. It's Sunday. Uh, today we have the moon in Aries. And the moon in Aries is a very aggressive moon. It's a moon that wants to get things done. Uh, what we have right now is an interesting combination. As you know, we are traveling through Scorpio land right now. Enter at your own risk kind of uh, zodiac uh, placement. It is the hills of Transylvania. Uh, so we have the sun in Scorpio, Venus in Scorpio, Mercury in Scorpio, and the north at uh, the south node in Scorpio tells us be careful not to be too Scorpio-like. So what we have is a very strong essence of Scorpio for the next few days, definitely, uh, when we have these three planets that are very, one star and two planets that are very important. But we also holding that breaks because the south node represents a breaking away from a certain archetype. And we are heading, of course, towards the very powerful eclipse, the most powerful eclipse maybe in the year, which is November 8th. We'll talk about it. Uh, in a second but the moon in Aries is ruled by Mars and sun in Vir in Scorpio Venus in Scorpio America in Scorpio ruled by Mars and as you know Mars is retrograde so it's as if the two most important signs that we're heading or, or we're dealing with today Scorpio and Aries the moon in Aries sun in Scorpio if we look to the source of their power the source of those two powers is mars and mars like i said is retrograde we're lucky that he's actually sending some good energy to um saturn and that energy is going to get grow grow and grow and grow uh, because mars is retrograding saturn going direct so they're kind of going towards each other towards that trine which we definitely need any kind of help any kind of ropes from above uh, will be very welcomed right now on planet earth because we are going through some really intense, difficult time. I get these emails, I get texts, I get questions all the time on the my website about this situation. I mean, <clears throat> I'm, re I'm used to, you know, being kind of like in the center a lot of time of the hurricanes, you know, the eye of the hurricane and trying to make sense out of people's lives. But right now, I'm not saying there is no sense. I'm just saying it's a little bit harder uh, to manage or to navigate. But the moon in Aries today is going to make you shoot first and then ask questions. So if you have guns, put them uh, in the safe. If you have a, a tongue that is a little bit sharper than normal, make sure that it's uh, shield, uh, feels sealed inside the cover. Okay, so just be a little bit more mindful, a little bit more careful, especially because the moon today and is squaring the black moon. And when the moon is squaring the black moon, it's almost as if, imagine, you have your light side and you have your shadow side or the uh, unaware side or the ignorant side. And imagine both of them are clashing right now. So everything you do, your shadow has a say. You know, it's like in a lot of governments these days that uh, people that should definitely be not in the government are in the government and are saying things that are absolutely stupid or lie so that's kind of what's happening today with us even minerva the goddess of wisdom is squaring the moon meaning that it's hard for us to access wisdom so if i say terribly stupid things today it is not because of me it is because of minerva being square with the uh, moon but it's definitely not the easiest of all days. We also have Venus now squaring Saturn. She started about a year, a, a day, two days ago. So if you feel a little bit more uh, challenged with your partnerships, with relationship, within the context of relationship, it totally makes sense. Blame it on Venus squaring Saturn. So remember I told you about the soap opera going up there in the skies. So now our love interest, Venus, or our uh, starlight, uh, in a sense... A star star um, is having a very hard time with the antagonist. They're squaring off. Or maybe the antagonist is gaining control over our heroine instead of her uh, devoted lover. So we're definitely having square. Square also talks about 
conflicts, difficulties, challenges between Venus and Saturn. So it was the last two days and it's going to guide us in the next two days until Venus passes that square and leaves us alone. So that square between Venus and Saturn, the coming or applying what we call square between Sun and Saturn, which is going to be right during the pandemic and during the, uh, sorry, the pandemic, during the uh, elections here in the United States and during the lunar eclipse coming up on Tuesday. So we're, what we're dealing with is applying square, meaning squares get annoying more and more and more. Squares is conflict, difficulties, challenges, hardships. It's between the sun and Saturn, the good father, the bad father. So we're definitely going to have some father issues uh, the next few days. And the fact that Venus is squaring also Saturn, Venus is all about uh, diplomacy, it's all about values, it's all about uh, what you, uh, your talents and how you're supposed to contribute to humanity. And Venus is considered to be a benevolent planet. And definitely that clash of values you can start seeing right now, you know, in the cyberspace, it's whatever is going with Twitter, in the political sphere, it's definitely the elections that were going on in Brazil, that were going on in Israel, that is going on right now in the United States. So all of these uh, elections, uh, maybe we'll have time to talk about it today, are very much not local elections. local elections you know you might say who cares what's happening in brazil besides being the biggest you know economy in latin america yeah but you know what what who cares well who cares <laughs> thank god the person from the left won because at least we know that the amazons at least supposedly will be safer for the next four years uh, compared to where they were in the last four years so definitely the elections in uh, brazil affect the quality of air we breathe around the earth. Uh, in connection to the election in Israel, the catastrophe that happened there uh, a few days ago is going to affect the whole world because you can definitely, um, mark my word, that's going to be now three, four years of a lot of violence, a lot of antifadas, a lot of issues that are going to come from Israel. They're going to affect the security of the whole world. And you know how it's been going on for what? 300,000 years, whatever is happening over there in that Levant area, Lebanon, Israel, Syria, Jordan, is affecting the rest of the world. Uh, we talked about it here many, many times. So one election was about the quality of air with breathing. The other election was the quality of stories that we're going to be projecting. And of course, the election here in the United States it can affect uh, global warming. It can affect that attitude toward cli- at climate. Don't forget that a lot of people who are uh, striving to become leaders here from the uh, right or the extreme right are still under the hoax of um, no climate change. So you can definitely say that these elections that are happening right now when Mars is retrograde, the worst time to have elections, are definitely affecting the whole planet. We'll talk a little bit about it uh, because I found actually two really interesting coincidences and synchronicities relating to the book, which is always a good sign for me whenever I write something, if there's synchronicities kind of affirming what I wrote, it's always a good sign. So I'll, uh, we'll actually read from the book um, uh, two quotes that are very relevant for what's going on this week. So again, Moon in Aries has to do with uh, shooting first, then asking questions. So Moon in Aries can be a little bit tough, especially during the period of Scorpio. Both Scorpio and Aries are ruled by Mars. And Mars, as we said, is retrograde. So if we look to see what's going on tomorrow on Monday, which is the day of the Moon, November 7, we see that the square between Venus and Saturn is completed, but it's still going on on Monday and Tuesday. What is starting to get tighter is the square between the Sun and Saturn. And that can cause us feeling a little bit more tired, a little bit more despondent, a little bit more hopeless. Um, There's a feeling of heaviness going on, uh, especially Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You might be more sluggish in a sense. Uh, Neptune and Jupiter are kind of chasing each other as they both go backward. And that actually is not bad for anything to do with dreams, meditation, intuition, imagination. There's a beautiful trine, as you can see on the chart. Trine is a triangle. I call it always the um, sacred mountain, the way for us in a chart to reach up, to get back to the source. So we have a lot of water happening 
We have Jupiter in Pisces, Neptune in Pisces, water. We have Minerva in uh, Cancer, water. And we have ne Mercury, Sun, and Venus, as we said, in Scorpio, which is water. So there's definitely a lot of feelings, emotions. The good thing about Monday and Tuesday is that we have the moon in Taurus. And moon in Taurus is the moon of success. So that means that things you strive to manifest, especially on Monday and Tuesday, can actually come into life because the moon in Taurus is fertility. It's basically whatever you put in the ground grows. So that would be really positive, especially because the moon is heading towards a conjunction with the North Node. Obviously, that's going to be the eclipse on Tuesday. But it means that we are learning more about home, family, more about our emotions. The uh, thing that makes these days a little bit more difficult is, again, the square between the Sun and Saturn, and also the opposition between Pluto and the Black Moon. It's never nice. Uh, but mainly the issue of Mercury tri uh, squaring Neptune. Mercury squaring Neptune, um, it's not always easy because it talks about deception, illusions, actions that are around deception, illusions. So if you feel that people are lying to you, if you have that um, uh, urge to kind of bend the truth uh, towards entering uh, uh, alternative truth and so forth, just be a little bit more careful. Uh, also, uh, intuition is kind of messed up by some action. So we have an intuition, but some kind of our, our action is not necessarily congruent with it or not working with it. So just be a little bit more careful uh, with your intuition, especially on uh, Monday and Tuesday. And if we look at uh, what's happening in Mon uh, November 8, that's the actual eclipse. Now, the eclipse is going to be happening officially 6 o'clock in the morning. I mean, 5.45 to 6.15 approximately in the morning, New York time. So that would mean, what, 3 o'clock in um, uh, Los Angeles. It would mean uh, midday in Europe um, on, the seven, on the 8th. It's a, I mean, here in the United States, we'll be able to, or in America, we'll be able to see the eclipse, which is actually a good thing. It will be about 85 minutes or so, the eclipse. But the peak of it is definitely for that 30 minutes I mentioned, quarter to six until 6.15 in the morning in Eastern uh, Standard Time. And because uh, it's a full moon, it's going to be very dramatic, the eclipse. And it's a lunar eclipse. Lunar eclipse means, as you can see from the chart, the sun is opposite to the moon. Mother and father are pulling us in different direction. It's as if we're being, you know, pushed and pulled between the forces of uh, uh, the moon and the sun. When you really do have to focus more on the moon and less on the sun. Why? Because as the eclipse is lined up, the north node, which is the head of the dragon, is going to be on top of the moon, which is our emotions, our feelings, home, family, everything that has to do with design, colors, beauty, art, your values, your talents, your self-worth. That's where the eclipse wants you to focus on because that's where the north node is. But there's going to be temptation to be pulled to the south node, which has to do much more with Scorpio, which is jealousy, possessiveness, um, a certain element of darkness, intimidation. So it's kind of interesting that everybody's talking about uh, the intimidation of voters, the voter repression. All of these dark aspects of Scorpio is looming over the election. Uh, what we do want to focus on much more is the moon in uh, Taurus. The moon in Taurus is the moon of success, like we said. It's beauty, design, colors. It's the six of diamonds in the playing card. It's the six of uh, discs in the tarot card. And it does represent some optimism, definitely. And the moon is also conjunct Uranus. That is the biggest thing about that day and the eclipse. And remember, eclipse begins stories that last for six months. We're going to talk about these stories that are happening right now until April 20th and May 5, when it's the next eclipse season. This week is the end of our second eclipse season of 2023. And the next one is going to be in the spring... In April, May of 2023. So the moon is sitting 16 degrees Taurus, which is precisely on top of Uranus, which is 16 degrees Taurus. It's eerie that it is precisely on that eclipse. And this is, by the way, the first eclipse that ever happened in the history of the United States during a day of election. So definitely, if anybody had any doubts about the importance of this election. Now, because Mars is retrograde, 
And because the moon is on top of Uranus, whatever is expected is not going to happen. So there's going to be a lot of unexpected things happen. Things that were seem to be, yeah, yeah we're not going to talk about that. That's obvious. No, uh, there's going to be a lot of unpredictability. Things are going to be flipping. And because of that, it's going to upset a lot of people. And a lot of people are going to think that there might have been some monkey business there. But it's not monkey business. It's Uranus business. And Uranus is, again, unpredictable. Uranus talks about the future. It talks about younger people. I think there's going to be a lot of surprises coming from younger people or from the amount of people who are voting uh, that are younger. So it's uh, eclipses again. Eclipse unveil things that were hidden. Now, forget about the election in the United States. You might be completely not connected to it and you live in Africa. Who cares? Well, still in your life yourself, there will be some unpredictability, something unexpected. You're going to go like, wow, that was a twist now. So we're looking at a really good story that has a lot of twists within twists in the next few days, peaking again during the eclipse of November 8. So the fact that Uranus is going to be on top of the moon on this eclipse, on top of the north node, it means that we are supposed to learn to be, to adjust. We have to learn to be flexible with our emotions, our minds, our intellect, our, our body. So this is a time to work on flexibility. The idea is that there is change coming because Uranus is unpredictable and Uranus does talk about disruption. But Uranus new way of looking at Uranus, at least in astrology these days, is as the awakener. Somebody, who, somebody, a, an archetype that is here to wake us up, to shock the system, to cause us to see things differently, to make us uh, aware of things that maybe we wanted to um, brush under the carpet or shove into the basement. So the idea of uh, Uranus on top of the North Node means that we all have to do some attempt to welcome the future, to bring in the future. It's not about the past. So anybody who tells us, hey, make America great again or make Europe great again or go back to the Ottoman Empire or go back to the Tsar of Russia, whatever that nonsense is, it's all un-Uranus on top of the North Node because the North Node is what we need to teach or learn collectively. And Uranus is the future, innovation, technology, science, everything that has to do with being unique, thinking outside of the box, welcoming the original, uh, loving the alien, like Bowie told us. You know, that's something that has to do with doing something you've never done before. So I think on Tuesday, it will be interesting for you to do something you've never done before. There's, like I told you, a lot of twists. So in your own personal story, in your life, try to see What's going on in um, Tuesday, but leading up to Tuesday, today, Monday, Tuesday, maybe even Wednesday, that is or out of the ordinary, that is unique, that is different, that is strange. And try to focus on that because that is what the North Node wants you to do. If you're riding the dragon, you know, you're the dragon master. The dragon is a Uranian dragon. He's maybe a robot a dragon. He's artificial intelligent dragon. He does have the scales and he has wings and he has a ferocious tail and fire is spitting out of his mouth. Yes, but it might be a robot, like I told you, an android robot. It might be a robot, an a dragon that is guided by some kind of uh, um, technology that is a little bit different in order to control it. What I'm trying to say is that, you know, yes, Mars is retrograde. It's not the best time to buy big machineries or all that, but maybe to connect to technology a little bit more. You know, a Friday, Black Friday is coming very soon, Cyber Friday, Monday, whatever. Maybe that's a time to upgrade, update your systems. You know, because, again, the North Node on top of the Moon, on top of Uranus, it's an instinct, the Moon, that you have about the future. So that's why you need to bring the future into the present. That's what we're trying to do on Monday. It's also interesting that today they started the... the um, the COP27, you know, that uh, 200 countries converging on Sinai um, in Egypt to talk about the future or the lack of, uh, of our planet. So it's kind of interesting. It's happening right when uh, or the peak of this conversation is going to be November 8, November 9, I assume, when the moon, again, the moon always represents in charge the people, is on top of Uranus, technology, innovation, thinking about the future with the dragon lead us in, lead us in there. 
the south node over the sun on top of Mercury means that in this week when they're all discussing what needs to be happening, they have to let go of their ego, right? Because it's the south node on top of the sun. The sun is ego. They have to let go of thinking about business because it's on top of Mercury and let go of some of their values that have to do with Venus. So the idea is that uh, we cannot close ourselves behind our borders and say we focus on America first or we focus on Israel first or we focus on... I don't know, Italy first, because you can focus all you want, but um, the future of the levels of the seas and how much you can breathe from the air is not going to be confined to America or confined to Italy or confined to Israel. So the idea right now is that we have to start looking again as a global uh, village at what's happening and that, again, is talking about looking at the future, not so much de delving too much with the past, including new sources of energy, because Uranus, uranium, is all about new ways of looking at energy. So that day, on Tuesday, we do have a trine, trine basically between Venus, uh, the North, uh, v Venus, Neptune, and Minerva. So that's when the energy of... Um, let's say intuition, is coming back because of that uh, connection to that trine. And it's even going to get stronger on November 9. So in November 9, you see that that, that uh, triangle is forming stronger and stronger. And the triangle is a triangle of, of water. So it's all about emotions and feelings. The moon is still going to be in... Um, November 9 on Wednesday it's still going to be in Taurus it's going to move into Gemini on that day so make sure that you're a little bit more clear about now actually the void of course is not going to be that strong because Pluto is located at the end of Capricorn so it's going to be fine the um, yeah I think the main thing for us on uh, Wednesday is the hangover of the eclipse which definitely does happen you know when you have such high vibration and high energy happening around you the day after feels a little bit more down and also the moon is starting to wane meaning it's starting to lose energy so Wednesday I do recommend to just kind of try to chill out as much as possible moon in Taurus is still the moon of success but she is creating an opposition to Venus and the moon opposite to Venus that is happening in Wednesday is some element of disappointment it's some issues within families and maybe families are having a little bit more conflict or your partner and your family is having a hard time, you know, some issues with in-laws perhaps. But it's mainly affecting um, the idea behind the moon. Moon is women opposite to Venus. So there could be also some element of jealousy, possessiveness. On Thursday, November 10, we have the moon moving to Gemini. That's a completely different energy. We're leaving the, the water Earth and we're moving towards air much more. And the moon is going to create a beautiful trine with, Mercury, with Saturn, which is actually very good for anything to do with business, ideas around business, practical, pragmatic way of dealing with things. It's a combination of intellect and innovation with practicality and down to Earth. It's a day of bridge building. So if you have any need to kind of um, create a compromise or work with someone or come to some kind of an understanding, heal relationships, that's going to be a really good time uh, for you on this Thursday. And also the triangle is still continuing. The trine actually is uh, getting stronger because Minerva and Venus are starting to align stronger and stronger. And that means that good advice comes from artists, Art in general, design, your in, your wisdom might be channeled through justice, fairness, uh, through uh, partners and partnerships. Uh, diplomacy could work better. So I'm actually optimistic that maybe from this week, something will actually happen uh, in the talks about the climate situation. And maybe Minerva will be helping us. The only problem is Minerva is opposite to Pluto. That means that some countries or some corporation or some people are going to promise certain things that they might later on um, not actually follow through. That's the only problem with that, Vina, with that uh, Minerva and the Black Moon opposite to Pluto. So there's come some kind of manipulation there. But Uranus opposite to Mercury, a little bit of a loco, you know, craziness happening, some words that you regret saying, even though it's not Mercury retrograde. But remember, Mars in Gemini means inflaring wars through words. So inflammatory words, you can say, things that you say that maybe later on you regret. 
because Gemini's communication, Mars is impulsiveness, and retrograde means, oops, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it, but it's too late. So just be extra careful. We talked about it until middle of January. Mercury and um, Vesta are sending pretty good energy to each other, which is energy to fix your home, to make adjustments with your home. Uh, maybe home improvement could work well. It's also a good time to make some changes uh, in the dynamic in the family. And besides that, Moon in Gemini just wants you to connect, especially when the Moon is sending such beautiful, a beautiful energy to um, Chiron, the wounded healer, as well as to Saturn. So there is definitely a potential for a lot of healing on Thursday. So if you're looking for a day in this week for healing, for understanding, for communication, for bridge building, we're talking definitely Thursday. Friday. On Friday, the moon is touching Mars. There's going to be a lot of inflammations happening that day. The people are angry. So there's something happening around November 11, November 12, this weekend, that might not be the easiest and um, the, um, the most comfortable, especially because the moon is squaring Jupiter and squaring Neptune. There's a tendency to overdo uh, deception, illusions. There could be some addictions uh, popping up. There, um, A lot of deception is going on there. There's some kind of connection to uh, lies. Um, it's not the easiest Friday. So just be super careful at that time. Uh, the moon again is on top of Mars. There is an instinct or a reflex for conflict, for war, for aggression. And uh, even though Mars is sending a nice energy to Saturn, that moon is also creating a square, like we said, to Neptune and Jupiter, not the easiest energy. The trine between, again, the Sun, uh, Mercury, Venus, and Minerva, and Jupiter, and Neptune. A lot of planets are together in this trine. That's why the trine is so strong. If you look at the map, you see the blue line is so powerful. The blue, sorry, uh, triangle. But still, that is a very... Uh, Minerva is actually an asteroid. But the idea is that there is some help coming from being more emotional, but there is some conflict that day on Friday between intellect and your emotions and your feelings. Saturday, the moon shifts into Cancer, which is actually not too bad. So Saturday and Sunday, we're going to have the moon in Cancer, which is going to be, especially next Sunday, aiding that trine. So next Sunday could be a day that is very full of satisfaction. And next weekend, if you can spend more time by water, inside of water, uh, that would be great because we're going to have the moon, the Minerva, Sun, Mercury, Venus, Jupiter, Neptune, all of them in water. We're going to have basically 60% of the chart uh, in water on uh, Saturday and Sunday. Rising sea level, yeah. rising um, Cancer, Scorpio and Pisces level. So that day on Saturday, much more calm in a sense because of the moon being in Cancer. Very good for home, family. But again, uh, Mars is going to be squaring stronger and stronger that Neptune and that Jupiter, which again is conflict. So the weekend is not going to be that easy. And the moon in Cancer can cause people to be a little bit too obsessed about their own enclave, about their own home. So that was um, our dealing with the energies of, um, or at least the days for next week. Um, let's see what we have going on. What did I prepare for you guys? So first of all, just a reminder, if you guys are in LA, I'm going to have, a, an, I added another in-person and lecture with book signing in Los Angeles for December 4, uh, Sunday. So please join us. It's through Den Meditation. Thanks a lot for the guys that came for the Halloween uh, past lifetime regression. We had a great time. Uh, it was a lot of uh, fun there. And uh, there's going to be a webinar also for 2023, as you can see in the chat. I added it. It's going to be next Sunday at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We're going to talk about next year, the year of 2023. And it's going to be a webinar, of course. It's going to be there's going to be a recording after. So, don't, you know, for some of you guys, you know about what happened with uh, the Pelosi household in San Francisco a few days ago, uh, when um, a crazy dude called David uh, the Cape, the the rape, the Pape, the Pape, the Pape. Um, 
barged in and tried to ask where is Nancy with a hammer, you know, tried to kidnap her, whatever. Uh, there's always crazy people. It's just uh, unfortunate that they're getting more and more encouragement these days from politicians. But anyway, I looked at the ages. So first of all, it's interesting to look at the connection between them because that David, uh, he didn't find Pelosi, um, Nancy Pelosi. He found her husband. So he's 42 years old and Paul Pelosi is 82 years old. So when you're 82 to 84, you're going through your Uranus return. For example, Bulgaria as a country is going through a Uranus return. Anybody who has Uranus in Taurus, which are people who are either around in their 80s or around their 160s, right, uh, are going to have it because Uranus takes 84 years to go around the sun. Uranus is the crazy, unpredictable, like we talked about it, is an awakener in many ways. And we have it at the age of 84. That's the complete cycle of Uranus return. But halfway through, we have the opposition of Uranus, and that happens at the ages of 40 to 42, 43. It usually starts 39 to 42. That's why a lot of time people who are 39 to 42 are going through crazy changes. They call it the midlife crisis, but really what happened is it is a half or it's, a, it's an opposition of Uranus. Uranus in a, their natal chart is opposite to the transiting Uranus. And in the case of Paul Pelosi, both Uranuses were together on top of each other. And what happened is that because Uranus is the loco, the crazy, the unpredictable, if you are unstable already mentally, it pushes you to the edge. It awakened the crazy person in you even more. Sometimes you're also having to deal with being a victim of that, an unpredictable thing. I'm sure that for Paul Pelosi, it was not how he expected this night to be. Remember, we talked about it as twist. And uh, ultimately, it's interesting if you know people at that age, uh, just to be a little bit more compassionate to them, around them, to just be aware that they're going through big transitions. So if you know anybody between 39 to 42, or if you are that age, just give yourself some more credit, more slack, because it is a tough time. You know, if you know anybody between 82 to 84, the same thing. They're going through a big review of their life and a lot of twists in their stories. So this is just to see how it works. Now, another thing that I found very interesting is the comeback. You know, Mars retrograde, I told you we had elections in Israel, we had elections in uh, uh, Brazil. And what was striking about these two elections is that was the comeback of somebody who was already sentenced and in jail, like Lulu, Lula, or uh, somebody who is uh, trying everything he can to avoid being in jail, even though everybody knows that that's his place. And it's Bibi. In Israel. So it's kind of interesting that Mars retrograde, Mars can be related to criminals, definitely. Retrograde, returning, and here we have uh, Lula and Bibi. Both of them have these kind of interesting names. It's like the same little, uh, little, the same uh, syllable kind of returning back to each other. Bibi, Lula, you know, but Mars retrograde. It's kind of interesting that they have returned. Mars again is the ruler of Aries. Aries is supposed to be the leader. Another thing that was very disturbing for me, at least, uh, growing up in Israel, and I grew up in a different Israel that, uh, unfortunately, is right now. And this is the results from Israel. Uh, the third most popular uh, party is a religious, called religious Zionism. And, it's, um, and their head of them, or one of the most important characters there, is somebody called Itamar Ben-Gvir. Uh, he's a Jewish supremacist. Uh, very unfortunate that Israel has uh, somebody like that so high up in the government now. He's going to be probably a minister. Uh, he wants to be the minister of um, defense, like internal defense, which is going to be the catastrophe. And again, if he's going to be a minister in the government of, United, of Israel, I can promise you that we're going to have another intifada coming next year or the year after. There's going to be a lot of bloodshed. And the whole idea of is Israel apartheid state or not could stop being an argument because it could be actually getting real uh, with people like him in the government, especially with people like Bibi, who doesn't really want to govern the, the country. He just want to make sure he's not in jail. And the only way for him to do it is not hire good lawyers, but to become the prime minister and pass what they call the French law. But that's a different story. 
Then Khalutz, uh, Dan Khalutz, a former IDF chief of staff, warns that the rise of Ben Gvir could lead to civil war. Again, Mars retrograde in Gemini. I told you, everything that's happening now until middle of January is threatening, if not now with a civil war, the origin of civil wars uh, or historians studying civil wars in 2023, 24, 25 will go back to this period of Mars retrograde in Gemini. They're not going to call it like that, but that's going to be the period where the root of a lot of these uh, things are going to actually come up. Ben Gvir, uh, IDF itself, the Israeli Defense Forces, declined to draft him Okay, when he was a teenager due to his far-right activities. So um, he has experienced a great surge of popularity during the few last uh, cycles. Nobody took him very seriously. Uh, Itzhak Shamir, which was a very famous uh, right-winged uh, leader in Israel, used to walk out whenever uh, Itamar Ben-Gvir's hero, Kahana, was talking for the, to the Knesset when he was elected. The far, I mean, he was in the right of Israel, uh, Itzhak Shamir, couldn't stand how extreme that person was, Kahana. And Ben Gvir still has a picture, a portrait of Kahana in his office. And what I wanted to say about um, synchronicities and coincidences is that um, Baruch Goldstein uh, was a gunman. I don't know if you know about it, but in 1994, uh, he stormed into the cave of the Patriarch in Hebron and killed 29 Palestinians. Uh, ben Gvir is also famously known for a video before the assassination of Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin, which happened in 1995, when he holds the car emblem of Rabin's Cadillac and declares, we got to his car and we'll get to him too. That was just um, a, a few weeks, right, before uh, the assassination of uh, Yitzhak Rabin, which was carried out by a fanatical Jew and basically destroyed the Oslo agreement and basically destroyed the whole idea of two-state solution. Now, even if some politician in Israel talk about two-state solution, everybody knows in Israel that it's not going to happen. And it basically was destroyed right there in 1994-1995 with the murder of uh, Rabin. And Rabin's murder was actually two days ago, 27 years. So 27 years and two days ago. And if anybody knows from listening to what I'm talking about here for I don't know how many years, 27 to 30 is Saturn return. It's a time of a reckoning. Saturn return happens every 29 years, 29 and a half. That's the official cycle between 27 to 30. Anything that happens to you 27 to 30 years ago, you're now dealing with it again. So what we're dealing now with is the Saturn return of Robin's murder that anything that happened after that guy tried to create peace with Bing Clinton, remember that in Arafat it was a very famous moment, it was a terrible history um, catastrophe for the Palestinians who refused, Arafat actually refused that peace treaty, which is a terrible mistake, terrible, terrible mistake that caused th tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, it could even cause millions of people's lives in the future, and the rise of people like um, this um, idiot I'm talking about, Ben Gvir. So the whole thing about it is that we're dealing now with the Saturn return to the murder of Rabin. Now, it's interesting because the Palestinians considered themselves to be born in May 1994, which basically means that next year is the Saturn return of the Palestinian entity, the Palestinian declaration of, at least for themselves, of independence, or when they got certain parts of the occupied territory to have government over. So we're dealing with the Saturn return of that. Saturn return is never easy. That's why a lot of committing suicide happens in Saturn return. Complete changes, I mean, think about... Uh, open the uh, open the Wikipedia 27 Club and you'll see precisely what I'm talking about. So what is that suicidal for a country? People who are willing to do to commit suicide in order to uh, promote their uh, beliefs. So we're going to see in the next year and a half, like I told you, either more intifada, more rebellions. These kind of things are going to surface. Of course, people like Ben Gvir want that more than anything else. But that's definitely part of what's going to happen. Now, the coincidence and the interesting thing is that in the book, if you ever uh, get the book on page 70, which is kind of symbolic, 70, uh, in the chapter of Saturn in Scorpio, I actually mentioned precisely that. And even though I wrote it six months ago, seven months ago, unfortunately, I write, Saturn in Pisces can manifest as religious fervor and fanaticism making people use their faith as an excuse to harm and infringe the rights of others. 
It was during Saturn in Pisces that Baruch Goldstein, a fanatical religious Jew, opened fire in a cave of the Patriarch in the West Bank, killing 29 Muslims before worshippers beat him to death. At the same ungodly year, Muhammad Omar founded a Taliban in Afghanistan, and a few weeks later in Switzerland, 23 members of the Order of the Solar Temple cult were found dead. Within 24 hours, 25 of their fellow believers were found dead in Quebec. That's Saturn in Pisces. So Saturn in Pisces is going to start in March. And it's interesting that this guy was elected right now. Of course, the government will take time until it is instituted. And probably by March, we're going to start seeing the ramification of this disaster. I told you, Mars retrograde is going to affect the whole world. But there was another very interesting coincidence that I had that was going on for me in um, Brooklyn. When I was there a few weeks ago, I did my first book signing in a place called Lion Milk in Brooklyn, a great place owned by young uh, Turkish uh, guys. A very nice place. And and I stayed above and um, in the Airbnb. And at the bottom, that was the coffee shop. You can see some pictures of it. And when I walked into the coffee shop, they had these NFTs displayed there for sale and for people to enjoy. And it's kind of funny because they were all these monkeys, these apes, uh, these bored ape style. And then in page, um, uh, the, in the introduction, in page 22 of the same book, uh, this is what I write about the shadow of Venus. Because next year we're going to have from July 22nd to September 5, we're going to have Venus retrograde. So in the book of 2023, I mentioned the shadows. And what happened in December 2022, while Venus was in her pre-shadow, an NFT trader known simply as Max made a terrible mistake while selling a bored ape. Okay, bored ape. You can see the bored ape images on my screen. A non-fungible token for 3000 instead of its actual price, 300000 It was dubbed a fat finger error. Hey, I told you, names have meanings, and Max maxed out on his Venus shadow mistakes. So I'm warning you all with fat or nibble figures, be extra careful during the pre- and post-shadows of Venus, which is going to happen more in the summer, so don't worry. But again... For me, doing the first um, book signing for my 2023 book in a place that happened to be and having NFG, NFTs of bored monkeys, while I mention it in the book, was a very good sign that something's good about this book. So again, thank you guys for giving um, good reviews in Amazon. If you can continue doing it, that would be great. It's the greatest help I can get if, um, if you're interested in helping. I'm not suggesting you should. Seven year each. Today in the morning, I woke up and I had my um, uh, poached eggs on on uh, my sourdough that I have every day in the morning, which is my favorite meal, by the way, and the only meal I actually make for myself. The seven year each. I was re- listening to um, a, the Economist, I think, and it was talking about how we. They didn't say it's seven year each, but they were talking about seven years ago. Blah blah. And I said, whenever I hear in the news seven years ago, I kind of my ears pricked, and I said, okay, we're having a seven year each, but for what? Well, the COP27 that we mentioned uh, that's happening in Sharm el-Sheikh, if you ever go to Sharm el-Sheikh, it's amazing. It's the tip of Sinai. I went there a few times when it was uh, still in Israel or part of Israel after uh, um, six days war. So it's amazing a resort, great for um, diving or scuba diving. Amazing. Anyway. 200 countries are converging there, and Egypt and Pakistan, leading 77 developing nations, forced the issues of restoration, uh, restitutions, for example, from, sorry, from rich nations to developing ones. Because obviously, most of the pollution is now actually done by, well, you know, United States, China, but a lot of it is also done by developing countries. But the developed countries are the ones that actually caused all of that. So there is this feeling that. There needs to be some participation and some funding for these countries. I understand the problem with a lot of these countries without being, you know, stereotypical. There's a lot of corruption. So you send a lot of money there and the money disappears. It never gets to the people or to help with the climate. But still, there could be some ways to deal with it. You know, even in the Bible, there's specific laws about what happened if you harmed your neighbor's property or if something happens in your property that harms them, that you have to uh, provide some restitution. Same thing 
we should do. But anyway, 2015, if you remember, was the Paris Accord that promised not to pass the 1.5 Celsius by the end of the century, 1.5 degrees Celsius over whatever was going in the Industrial Revolution. So we're now at 1.15, 1.2. So there is no way we're not going to get to 1.5. We are definitely going to get there. Uh, the question is, what are we going to do about it and how can we move faster? So right now, the COP27 that's literally meeting this week uh, is a seven-year each to the 2015 accord. If you remember, Trump made a big deal of uh, leaving the accord. Um, and United States, of course, is the bigger emitter and China. So there is a lot of responsibility. Now, it's interesting that the UN report that came up today actually talked about the pace of rising sea level doubled since 1993. Again, when you hear 1993, you're talking about Saturn return because we're entering 2023. Now we're in 2022, therefore 29 years. So the pace of the rising sea, Neptune or Poseidon, is not waiting for us to get our stuff together. It's rising rising way faster. In the last two years, it rose 10%. Uh, so it's it's way more. And the issue is a lot of time ice sheets because the ice sheets apparently in the Alps, in the Himalayas, in the Rockies are melting way too fast and they're not surviving the summer. Because if the snow survives the summer, it gives us constant flow of water. If the snow does not survive the summer and in the middle of the summer is gone, the rivers get really dry. The issue is not how much water flows in the river. The issue is how we're using it or when we're using it. Um, yeah, the lunar eclipse. So 85 minutes on uh, Saturday, on uh, Tuesday, it's um, a partial lunar eclipse. Sorry, it's not a total. And it will be visible from Iceland, parts of South America, South and Central Asia and Russia. It's definitely going to be seen. Uh, we'll see the map in a second. And it's the first time, like I said, that it's happening during the uh, elections. This is the, the chart of uh, the eclipse. You can see from what we said before, the moon is 16 degrees Taurus. Uranus is 16 degrees Taurus right on top of each other. Bang, one on top of each other, on top of the North Node. It's an opposition of Uranus to the sun. We are confronted with the strange. We are facing the strange and our emotions are the strange. You know what I mean? So the moon is right on top of Uranus. Therefore, your emotional side, your feminine side, is the one that is crazy. And the sun is the opposite, meaning that you as your self-expression is viewing or seeing your, your, your craziness in the mirror. But the craziness is coming from emotions, um, eruptions of emotions. It's, it's very much uh, that. Now, the Sabian symbol is a symbolical battle between swords and torches. Uh, I mean, I told you, these, these symbols are intense. Sometimes they're right on the money and sometimes they're kind of scary. This time it's um, a, a fight between swords and torches. You know, swords in the tarot card represents air, intellect, words, communication, Torches is wands, fire. It talks about action, movement, doing things. Kind of interesting that Mars, fire, is in Gemini, air, swords. That could be part of it. But it is definitely not a very um, nice thing to have during a retrograde Mars uh, in eclipse, uh, in Scorpio, which is ruled by Mars, a Sabian symbol that talks about a battle uh, between swords and torches. So... Just make sure that you're um, thinking not too crazy and that you're like focusing on your mind in a, in, a, in a more logical way, if it's possible at all, and to be careful of eruption of emotions that can get out of uh, bound. This is where the lunar eclipse is. You can see um, that there is a lot of movement around the western part of the uh, United States. So Alaska, Canada, the west side, the west side of Canada, central and west um, uh, United States will be seeing it completely. Also Japan, parts of China, Russia, uh, Europe, unfortunately not, because like I told you, it's going to be in the middle of the day for you guys. Here is a list of things from SciTech Daily that maybe will be interesting for you. Some information about sky viewing, if you're interesting. Like we said, November 8th is the total lunar eclipse. I was right. That other place was wrong. Total lunar eclipse is happening. The moon appears directly. Now, on November 11, the moon will appear directly between Mars, uh, the bright blue white star, and the bright uh, white star El Nach, or El Nath, um, in the west, just before sunrise. Now, El Nath, you know, 
stars have, of course, fixed stars I'm talking about that are part of the constellations have a lot of significance in astrology, especially in Arab astrology. It's very, very important. And they did a great job at identifying what star means what. So the star, El Nath, is a mixture of Mars and Mercury. So it's a lot of wars of words, precisely what we just described. You know, war, fire, words, air. So it's a mixture of Mars and Mercury. So be a little bit careful what you communicate, how you communicate on November 11th. But if you want to see it in the sky, it's going to be pretty interesting. November 20th, in the hour before sunrise, you can find the crescent moon an above bright star, Spica, in the southeast. Now, uh, Spica is a, a star, a, bl a bluish kind of star, and it represents Virgo. It represents, actually, it's located in the wheat stalks uh, that is carried by the lady in the sky, which is, of course, uh, the maiden, Virgo. It is regarded uh, by all sky cultures as one of the most positive stars in the sky. So, November 20th, there should be something good in the realm of Virgo, which is work health, diet, routine. So if you're looking for a time to start your diet, looking for a time to start something new in your work, November 20th will be great. Also, November 18, if you look straight overhead, you'll see the Leonid uh, meteor uh, after midnight. Now, the moon is 35% full, so you'll be able to see it. The Leonide always comes in November every year, but it's peaking November 16 to 19. It's called Leonid because it comes from the constellation Leo. So it's kind of like Leo type of uh, meteors and it's always uh, important meteors are related to the sun because they orbit around the sun and their trail of um, um, evaporating ice is what we can see so that sun is of course the ruler of leo november 23rd we're going to have our new moon and november 28th the crescent moons will hang just beneath saturn in the southwest part of the skies and all month uh, all month we're going to see the leonid meteoroid um, uh, shower so that's uh, peaking, like we said, around the 18th. So that should be uh, interesting for you this year, this year, this week. Let's see if there's any questions uh, that I might uh, have an inclination. This week, uh, the challenges with relationship. Is this something that is putting on the spotlight on issues that need to be addressed and transformed? It's just energies rippling through. It's both. I mean... When we're talking about issues in relationship, things that were already there might be surfacing, might be coming up. Uh, does the full moon more strongly impact those whose signs are full moon in? No, I think that if you have a full moon already in your chart, depends on what kind of a full moon you have. It definitely, you're used to these kind of uh, lunations. So it's not necessarily something that um, will be more impactful to you than other times. Um. Again, I hope you guys join me next Sunday um, to the because some most of you are not here in Los Angeles. Um, so next Sunday we're gonna do the workshops online for at six p.m. Pacific Standard Time, but you can join whenever. And we're gonna talk about two thousand twenty-three, the major dates, um, the trends, everything that is going on for us to, to better prepare, including New Year resolution, when to start it. Because some of the new resolution planning you should actually start right now to in order to manifest this because usually the statistic of new year resolution are really, really poor. And the weekend after, I'm going to do another one here in LA and the weekend after also another one, one in Santa Monica, sorry, and one is going to be in Los Angeles and one on the internet. And of course, uh, I will start my travels in Europe in December 6th. So I'm going to be in Bulgaria, in um, Istanbul, France, England, that's the places I think I know for now. So anyway, have an amazing week and I hope uh, all your wishes come true and that the surprises coming up from the eclipse are not going to be dreadful or deadful. Deadful. I don't know why there's no word called deadful. He's deadful. He's deadfully. It's a deadful situation. Full of dead people. Deadful. I think we should add that. Uh, another word. Why not? There's so many words in English. One more. Nobody's going to notice. So don't have a dead fool. Have an undead fool week. And um, saying goodbye to everybody I can see. Thanks a lot, guys, for joining in the Instagram. And I will see you uh, next week with the help of the good Lord and his lady.